as we as we get into our message for this morning, I just want to do a brief review of a, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about God's will and basically boiled it down to God's will for the church or the body of Christ is, uh, I hope it would be obvious that uh, Matthew, 20, Matthew 28, 19 to 20 tells us what we know is the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll go with you everywhere I go. And we also pointed out in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus, Jesus told uh, Peter, uh, renamed him the rock, right? He says, I'm going to build my church. And the point was that Jesus said, I will build my church. Me and you or any other disciple, we're not, we don't do the building. Jesus does the building through the faithfulness of the disciples, of, of the believers. And we also uh, refer to Psalm 119 as uh, a, a long uh, piece of scripture, right? But it was really uh, pointing out that the psalmist is doing everything he could do to find ways to pursue God's will in his life. So I encouraged you to study that, and I hope that you did. And if you didn't, it's okay. As long as the Lord gives you days, you, ha you can open up your Bible and study it. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good place to dwell for a while and just kind of see what the Lord does with that. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago, referring to God's will for 2023 for this church and every other church for that matter. It's pretty vague because it's, the, it's, the, it's God's will for the church as a whole. The question then was, how do we go and make disciples? How, how does God want us to do that here in this community and in this place this little dot in the world, right? You ever look at the map and realize just how small you are? <laughs> just how small you find your little house on, the, on a globe and you're just like, man, that's just a little speck of a dot right there in the bigger scheme of things. And you know, the Lord's got all of that in his mind. He's got all of that in his hands. The, he, the Lord, had, there's nothing that happens in the universe that God doesn't know about immediately. That's how big and great our God is. I, w I was just out in the hallway. I, I was, I was uh, finishing up my prayer time with the communion just a minute ago, and I had it in my mind to stop in the hallway and look at the, uh, the letter that was penned out at the, when this church officially began as a church, as a congregation. I think it was they were meeting beforehand, and I forgot to look at the date, but it, it's, uh, the date on it is 1920, right? Over a hundred years ago, when that was written, and they were meeting before then. And I want to talk just briefly, before I get into Ecclesiastes, I want to talk about from then to now is a lot of time, isn't it? It's like, it is literally a lifetime, isn't it? And then some. We, we don't, we're not guaranteed another day. And we're not really guaranteed old age, but we also, if we live to be an average age, it's still less than 100 most of the time. Wouldn't you all agree? So that's a lifetime that God has been working with the folks at Oak Grove Christian Church right here in western North Carolina. That's a lot of time, y'all. That's a lot of ministry. That's a lot of things that God has done in the lives of the folks that were connected to this church. Isn't that great? And here's what's awesome about it is he's, he's never failed this church. He's never proven himself unfaithful to the congregation at Oak Grove Christian Church. He's never proven himself unfaithful to any of the members of this church. 
He's never failed us in any way, form, or fashion. I think that's amazing. But when you look at the bigger scheme of things, and you look at when Jesus went to the cross, and then uh, some time later, uh, the disciples or became the apostles through the receiving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that was a couple thousand years ago that the church has been in service to the kingdom. And God still showed himself faithful, steady, 100%, never, not even one time, not even a little bit, failed to be faithful to the church. Isn't that great? That's the God that we serve, y'all. That, that's who we're talking about every Sunday morning when we read in his word. That, that's who we're looking at. That's who we're trying to pursue. We're trying to seek his will. Because if he's that perfect, why wouldn't we want to pursue his will? How can we go wrong? So, so I'm looking at the history of the church, and, and point, mo, many of you over the time that I've been here have shared with me a lot of stories and, and a lot of the history of how the church began and, and uh, what happened throughout the time that you have been in, involved in the church, and it's just an amazing thing to hear about. You know, and, and when I drive down uh, Avery's Creek and I see the old building down there, sometimes I just sit back and I say, I wonder what it must have been like the first day they had Sunday morning church in that building. It must have been a great moment. It must have been an, a joyous time for the people that were involved in that transition. In going from starting up a group of people in a schoolhouse to moving into this, it was a schoolhouse, wasn't it? Am I wrong? Okay, so then they move into the church. It's just growing. The church began to grow because people loved the Lord and they loved each other and they continue to be faithful in serving God, depending on his faithfulness. It's been a hundred years, y'all, hundred plus years of God's faithfulness in providing what this congregation would need to be successful in serving him. If there's no other reason to praise him, for this congregation, that should be one of the reasons, right? Aside from Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, right? But God has provided everything along the way. Everything. The families, the servants, the leadership, all the way through. And over the years, how many people have come and gone? How many people have served in great ways? How many of the men stood up and became leaders in the church? And God used them in great ways, and they were great servants over the years. And God was faithful. Think about this. And I have no way of knowing this because I wasn't here, but I can trust that there have been many times of change since 1920. To right now. Now raise your hand if you love change. Me, me and Holland <laughs> and, and Jay. <laughs> so I don't love change, but I don't really mind it as long as it doesn't disrupt my plans, right? <laughs> isn't that how we are? Change is hard, isn't it? And any of y'all are having trouble? I mean, if you, if you don't want to admit that you're having trouble with change, how many, how many times do you look in the mirror and just go, Oh, <laughs> that's not the way that was. <laughs> I don't mean that in an ugly way. I do the same thing. I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> that's not. The... 
We change, don't we? Change happens. Change happens when growth happens. Change happens just because time happens. And if we think about it, the only thing that ever really ever stays the same is God. And if we don't praise the Lord for that, we totally misunderstood who we are and what, who he is. Because if God were to be a God who would change, like be one way a certain day, and then maybe another week he'd be some other way, it would be hard to follow him. It would be hard to surrender to him. It would be hard to trust him because you never know how he's going to be. But that's not the case. He's always the same. Which means, guess who gets to change? It's always me. It's always you. It's always us. It's always the church that needs to make an adjustment when we're not in line with his will, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago. So, so you go from uh, building the, little, the first church building down there, and the place, the way I hear it, the place eventually started getting too crowded, right? Too many people to fit in that building. Not too many people for God, but just too many people for the building. Not enough parking. Didn't really have a, a suitable bathroom arrangement. So on and so forth. Somehow or another, the leaders of the church and the congregation prayerfully decided, hey, let's build another church and let's build it closer to the community. That's the way I heard it. Great plan. Such a great plan that God blessed it. And here we are. Y'all, I looked at the pictures of y'all. There's a book somewhere in this church and I've looked through the pictures of y'all building this church. The building. And, and the faith that it took for y'all to step out and make that change and make that transition from worshiping back in your home community to come all the way all the way over here like way over here so that you could be closer to the community and guess what things changed didn't they people changed more people came some people left some of them passed away things changed transitions had to be made the way I look at it, coming, I'm the new guy. I'm still considering myself the new guy. And when you're looking at this here, and I'm looking at it, it's like, okay, y'all are telling me that God led y'all to do everything that you've done. You've made transitions over the years, over the generation of the church, and people have come and gone. People got saved. People have moved on, and you've adjusted accordingly. And God led you to do certain things, and the church just kept growing. You had great leaders in place. Some, some of them, uh, m most of them are gone now, but they were great men who served greatly. Not just serving God, but they served y'all in great ways. And here we are. And here's how I know it was God's will all the way, because when y'all say to me, y'all built this church, y'all built this building to be closer to the community, and then you get swallowed up by the community like we are, they're stacking up on top of us, behind us, and around us. So yeah, I can see God's will. I can see God preparing y'all for what he's doing in the future. I can see him preparing us for what he's working on. His will. It takes change. It takes transition. It takes faith. There, there, there have been preachers have come and gone. Some of y'all remember when you hired the first preacher. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. 
First full-time, that's the way it was. The first full-time preacher, you always had some people come in and preach. But every time you get a new preacher, things change, don't they? Different, different man, different way of do, preaching, a different style, a different personality, a different relationship. Right. It's part of growth, and it takes a transition period. There were faithful families that have come and gone. Even since I've been here, there's families that came and added to our numbers, and some of them came and some of them went away again. It's all transition. Every time we add another family, it changes our personality as a church. It changes who we are. It's all transition so that we can continue to grow. You, go, you guys know that this building, this property, or that building down the road is not the church. Y'all know that. You are the church. We, together, we're the congregation. We are the believers at Oak Grove. Oak Grove today does not look like it did in 1920. Not at all, does it? It's not, even, it's not even the same church, is it? So what does that tell you over the next 20, 30, 40 years is going to happen? Because I love, I love y'all. I love this church. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm just going to be honest about this. God's going to do some great things, and it's going to cause some change. And it's going to mean we have to do some transitioning to, to get in line with God's will. And there's going to be some of it that I might not even like. That I might not even be comfortable with. And it comes down to are we seeking the Lord's will and surrendering to it. Time has a way of changing things, right? It's all part of God's plan. So that's why we, we're going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we're going to read all eight verses. I'm going to read all the way through it. And in your bulletin, by the way, there's uh, a piece of paper that has two of my PowerPoints, just so you don't have to take fast notes, because there's a lot of scripture that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to try not to read them all, but I'm going to talk about them today. So I decided to just print off those so you can take them home and look them up for yourself and study them and ask the Lord what to do with them. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is not on that paper, but it's in your Bible. If it's not in your Bible, get a different Bible, because your Bible's not good. Here we go, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time uh, to, uh, to embrace and a time to shun embracing. Verse 6, a time, to a time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to uh, tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And it, just, and it goes on with more and more wisdom about change, about how things don't ever stay the same, and there's always a time for everything to happen. And if, as long as we can remember that the whole world is in his hands, you remember the old song, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? So as long as we understand that and absorb it by faith that it's truth, how can we go wrong when we're transitioning because of change in our life? You know, 
many of us, especially as guys, we have a, a certain place in our home that we sit, and that's our chair. That's our place. It's molded to our body because we sit there so much. And if somebody came in and switched that out, it would be difficult. If you switched it, if you were like, hey, let's buy a new chair, and you're and you like, eh, you're never going to find one just that comfortable, are you? It takes time to get comfortable. But once you get comfortable, it's hard to change. It's hard to move. It's hard to transition from sitting in this, this chair to go sitting in that. You could even put that same chair in a different part of the room, and it won't be the same. It'll be a transition. Well, it's inevitable that we're going to change. It's inevitable that we're going to grow. It's inevitable that we're going to have to make transitions. The key to making transitions successful is having good leadership, having leadership. You know, any organization, business, sporting events, teams, schools, you name it, on down the list, if there's not good leadership, they're most likely not going to be successful in what they're trying to do. Now, they might be able to get along a little bit for a while, but not without proper leadership. And we're going to look at the scripture today. The reason I have so many scriptures is because I want to give you enough scripture so you can get the point that the Bible, this word of God, shows us that there is a need for, for good leadership in the church. And there's a need for not only good leadership, but transition, successful transition and change is, requires a, a call for godly leadership. Because it's God's will. It's God's will that that takes place in the church, in every congregation, in all parts of the world. It takes good leadership for God's will to happen. Same thing in our homes. If the men are not leading your home and bringing Christ into your home and not building up your, 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 your spouses, your wife, in a, in a godly way and they're not participating in leading the children, then you will not have a successful Christian home. Look around. There's all kinds of families falling apart today around the world. Even families that are part of the church. Their homes are falling apart because there's a lack of leadership there. No one is leading them to Jesus. No one is leading them in the ways of Jesus. So as you look at your, uh, as you look at your first, uh, thing, uh, first slide on your paper there, we're going to talk a little bit about how we can discern the need for leadership by what the scripture says about leadership. How the scripture present how the scripture presents the need for leadership. What kind of things it says about leaders in the church. So right here in the first one, we see that the the scripture teaches us that uh, church leaders are called overseers in Acts chapter twenty, in verse twenty-eight, right. Be on, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That is a title given to the leaders of the church. They're to oversee, they're to, to protect the church. And then we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and there, there's a, I think there's, I'm going to try to catch them, but there's a couple of typos on the, on the PowerPoint, so get a pen out and correct them when I get to them. I'll, I'll try to mention them to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says that the leaders are to be stewards. Not only just stewards, but it says, let a man regard, uh, regard us in this manner, talking about the apostles, the leaders of the church, as servants of Christ, first of all, and stewards, look, of the mysteries of God. Stewards 
of the word of God, the truth in God's word. You have to be good stewards. That's what, that's, that's what, God, that's what the Bible says about church leaders. And, and then it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse, uh, I think it's verse 2, that's one of the corrections. It says, to shepherd the flock of God among you, right? In other words, lead them, protect them, take them where the green grass is, give them what they need to survive, be shepherds, according to the will of God, it says, in 1 Peter chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that the leaders are ambassadors, it says we are ambassadors for Christ. We, we go into the world, the leaders of the church, they go into the church and they, they show the church how to go into the world and be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We represent the kingdom of God. Ambassadors is, is a pretty, uh, pretty important word, isn't it, when it comes to what it means. And then in Romans chapter 10, this is where we, chapter 10 verse 14, this is where we, in Romans it teaches how can anybody get saved if they don't hear the truth, Right? How then can anyone call on him who has not believed? It says, how will they believe on him if they have not heard? And how will they hear if, if there's not a preacher? If there's not godly leaders in the body of Christ that are preaching the truth, teaching the truth, not just by words, but by the way they live, preaching the gospel. And then finally in Galatians, not finally, in Galatians, they, they're talk, it talks about being teachers. It talks about, and this is also right down on your notes there, Titus chapter 1 verse 9 goes along with this. The, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. There's a relationship here with the disciple and the teacher. Those who are in leadership need to be able to teach. They need to be those who are teachers of the word in some form or fashion doesn't have to be standing up in front of a class. It could be one-on-one. -on -one. It could be in our homes. It could just be teaching by example. It could be, it really needs to be all of the above. And then, of course, planters, the leaders of the church, the Bible describes them as planters and builders, people who are actually doing the work. Jesus, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, I'm not going to read through that. It's where Jesus teaches the parable of the sower and the soils. It's, a, it's, an, it's an example of how to plant seeds. It's an example of Jesus is using to show how you make disciples. And if the leaders of the church aren't trying to make disciples, then no one else following them will do so. Or if you don't have leaders, you won't have sowers. You see, we... As people, I'm down here with y'all now, as people, we're just like sheep. That's why Jesus teaches this way. We need leadership. We need someone to lead us and guide us, namely Jesus first, right? We follow Jesus. That's why Paul went around in his ministry saying, hey, follow me while I follow Jesus. Don't act like me. Let's go act like Jesus together. That's how he was preaching. And that's what we need to do. That's what our leaders in the churches need to teach us to do and encourage us to do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 call, talks about building up. Right? You're equipping the believers. You're equip equipping the saints for works of service. It's my job as the preacher to give you everything you need to be successful in God's will. Now, when I answer to the Lord about my ministry efforts... I'm not going to answer to the Lord about did you or did you not go and make disciples. I'm going to answer to the Lord 
did you give them everything you could so that they could go and make disciples? You answer for yourself. I'm answering, am I being faithful to what the Lord has called me to do as a leader in the church? And the same is true for any other leader in the church. We're trying, our job is to make sure that we encourage you, that we teach you, that we uh, 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 advise you, that we pray for you, that we lift you up, we build you up so you can be powerful for the community for Christ. That's what leaders do. That's what, the, that's what the New Testament only, I didn't even get into the Old Testament examples, that's how the New Testament talks about the church leaders. That's the words that the New Testament uses. There was a man in the 1600s who was a leader in the Church of England, like way back, way, way back. And he, I'm going I'm to read this quote to you about how he talked about the importance and the need for church leadership. It says this, these expressions import services of absolute necessity in states and families. There are mutual and reciprocal duties enjoined by God upon them, talking about the leaders, and the people. They, talking about the leaders, to watch over the flock, and these, talking about the people, to love, honor, and esteem, and encourage them. If they be not necessary, talking about the church leaders in the church, why should, they, why should there lie upon them so severe a charge? Why should there be due unto them so great respect? If, if it wasn't necessary in the church, within the church, around the world, within the congregation, the groups of believers, then why does the scripture talk about it in such ways? Why does God's word talk about church leaders in such lofty ways if they weren't necessary? If they weren't needed for the church to be successful in being faithful to our God, who is always faithful. So that's what the scripture talks about. Now let's look at just the apostles' actions, how the apostles lived. And what they did in their ministries, how they carried out their duties as church leaders. Now, first, right off the bat, this is not uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 13. It's actually Acts chapter 14, verse 23. <laughs> it was a typo on my part. My bad. <laughs> so I want you to just get a pen out and write on your paper verse 23 instead of 13. Just a little typo there. So it says this. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So these guys, these apostles, they're running around the world appointing godly men to be elders of the church. If it's not needed, then that would have been a waste of time. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 2 teaches and Titus chapter 1 verse 5 is where we can find some examples of how these same apostles are instructing the young preachers to go into these areas where there's churches in place and he's telling them go into these places gather up the believers find some godly men and put them in charge of the church to be elders but they were instructed to go and appoint elders 
in every city, in, as, as chapter uh, 1 of, and verse 5 of Titus says, and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. That's what their charge was. The preachers were sent to go and make elders so that they could go off and preach and continue to preach, and the, and the, the leaders of the church would take care of the local congregations. It was so important that Paul says to Timothy and Titus, this is what I want you to do. He didn't spend a lot of time talking about nothing else other than how to find godly men to do this. Preach the gospel, turn it over to some godly men, and let God do his thing. Then in Colossians chapter 4, how did I, oh yeah, Colossians chapter 4 verse 17, he's encouraging, he's writing letters, that Paul is, and he's writing letters encouraging leaders that are in place to stay, uh, handle their uh, authority with integrity. Ar 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 Archippus, Archippus, however which way, Archippus is one of those guys. He's, he's, he says to him in verse 17 of chapter 4, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. He's saying to this guy in, in, in the church in Colossae, he's saying, look, this is the most important thing for you, because you're called to be this guy in the kingdom of God. So do that, and do it well. Trust the Lord to help you. It's that important. Why, 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 is the, why, is the, why is the scripture, God's word, talking so much about church leadership if it's not necessary? Galatians chapter 6, once again. 1 Peter chapter 5, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock, exercise oversight, voluntarily do it. According to the will of God, do that. With eagerness, proving to be what? Examples to the flock. It, I mean, the instructions are there. And again, we've already read uh, chapter 6, verse 6 of Galatians. He says, share all good things with the one who teaches them. You know, it, it's nothing better for the preacher or for the elders than for one of the people that are in the congregation to come along and say, hey, I can't, I gotta, I, I can't wait to tell you what the Lord has done in, in, the life, in my family's home right now. Because we are being, we're doing everything we can do to be faithful. And it's not because the preacher or the elders are saying we want rewarded for teaching right or for getting people to do the right thing. It's because we love to see what the Lord's doing in your lives. We love to see the Lord being faithful to you. We love to, it, it's, it's beneficial to us. It builds us up when we see that God is faithful once again. And it means that the church is growing the people are growing. God is having his way. And everyone's growing spiritually. And, God, and, and that's when the church begins to, the numbers begin to multiply. And you look around the room one day, and you don't even know a third of the people in the church because it's grown so fast. Not because of anything that we would ever do. It's because God is having his way not only in, in the leadership of the church, but all the way down through every last person in the congregation. And when the Spirit of God has his way, look out. When, when churches go through change or transition, which you all know that we are right now, we have to depend on the Lord to make the transition. We have to depend on the Lord to be faithful. We have to depend on the Lord to provide our needs. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and, and the laborer is worth his wages. 
he's talking about supporting your leadership. And a lot of times this scripture is taken to mean, uh, primarily teach about uh, why the preacher gets paid. It's partly applied to that, but it's not only to that. And if y'all want to call me an ox, I can handle that. I've been called worse. In other words, if it, 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 the, the teaching is if you have ox that are plowing your field for you, then let them eat while they're plowing if they want to. Don't, don't restrain them from their own needs so that they can do a better job. Here's something that most people don't really read a lot. Hebrews chapter 13. This, it talks about how we obey the leadership. It says, obey leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this, look, with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you, it says in Hebrews. Now, I praise God on a regular basis that I don't have to go to the Lord in prayer over this verse when it has to do with this congregation. Because y'all are just awesome. I've been at places where, where the, the people who are in the church, they may be great people in a lot of ways, but their understanding on how to interact with the church leadership is uh, slack at best. And they don't realize that they're going to answer to the Lord. Because when there's leadership in, a, in place in churches around the world, it, within the body of Christ, it's because God has called them up, God ordained them for that, and God put them in place. So who am I or who are you to come against what God is doing? In that regard. So the reason that I decided to go through all of this scripture, and it didn't take as long as I thought it was. Some of y'all were like, yeah, well. It did take a little while. The reason I did that is because, not because I wanted to preach about every one of those scriptures. The reason I printed it off so you can go home and study it for yourself, read around it, see what it's talking about. It's because there is a need for leadership. It is necessary in every congregation around the world. And we just talked about, over the last hundred plus years, God has always been faithful to this congregation. Never failed. He's always given us what we need. And right now, you guys know that we have had some great elders for the duration of this church's existence. Godly men who served well. We've had, we, in the last, let me see where I get... Let me, let me get in the right place so I can say it. For the past five years, since I've been here, I've been here four, going on five, we've had three amazing men who have served well in the leadership of this church. Since, just since I've been here. Plenty more before me, I know. And all three of those men, you all know, for, for almost similar reasons, have had to step down and take care of their own personal things. Why? Because things change. Life happens. And we have to make transitions. Right? How many of y'all think God didn't see that coming? 
How many of y'all think that God didn't know about this beforehand? How many of y'all think that God wouldn't be preparing us for this transition? See, I have to believe, I'm standing up here telling you that none of this surprises God. None of it. it this is not an uh-oh moment, what are we going to do situation for us. Not at all. You know, not too long ago, y'all hired me as your preacher. And it was a big transition for me and my wife to come here. We're talking about eastern North Carolina versus western North Carolina. And any of y'all that's ever been out there know that that's a big change in culture. Great people out there, great people out here, but that's different. And y'all are different. And I'm not even the same as any of y'all. Transition, y'all. It took, it took us a while to get situated here. It took y'all a while to s sit back and say, hmm, how's this preacher working out? Some of y'all are still trying to work that out, I think. But God provides. You know, I praise God that he led me and my wife to come here. And that he helps us make that transition. And that he has called me to be just one of the many who have been associated with this congregation to lead you. And I, and I rarely ever really look in the mirror and see myself as a leader of any kind. But my mind knows what I've been called to. And I have to remind myself, you are what God's called you to be. So right now, this message is specifically to help you and me navigate this transition that we're going through so that we can appropriately pray for God's direction, for God's way. You know, when, when, when COVID happened, was that not a transition? Was that not a change? I struggled with that as a preacher because I'm standing here by myself. And I've always, I've always told myself when I started preaching, I've always talked about things with the Lord about, you know, every preacher dreams about preaching to however many people you can in your lifetime. But we always say to ourselves, if no one shows up, I'm still going to preach God. Well, nobody showed up. And I still had to preach. Y'all were there online virtually, but that's not the same, is it? Y'all know that. It didn't take us very long to come to the conclusion, okay, this ain't the same and we don't like it. Things change. So we find ourselves in the middle of change. We find ourselves in the middle of transition. Not only just here in the church, but look around. Look at all the families in our church. There's stuff going on, isn't there? <laughs> There's stuff going on in every family in this, in this church. There's things happening that you might not even know about in somebody's home. Things change. Anybody that's got a teenager, ask them. They know. <laughs> right? These kids grow up and they ain't the same as they were last month. They, look, they got the same color hair and they wear the same clothes, but they don't act the same. What's going on? They're growing. They're changing. And just when you got them figured out, they change again. And they have no idea what to do to make that transition. I was like 35 years old before I grew up. To be honest with you. 
because I didn't know. Nobody taught me how to make the transition. I had to figure it out. That's why we need leaders. There was no leadership for me growing up. I mean, I had parents, and they did the best they could, but I didn't have really godly parents that went to church every Sunday that brought God into the home. I was on my own for that. Remember that song, Through It All? It's a good song, isn't it? That song is, I love that song because that's a song for good times, and it's a song for hard times. And it's a song for every time in between. Because for the last hundred years plus, through it all, God was faithful. Through it all. And he's going to continue to be faithful. I have no concerns over God's faithfulness in this transition for us. Because where are we going in 2023? Where are we going in 2024 if we are allowed to live that long? What are we going to do in five or ten years? What's the church going to look like? And who's going to be here? And who are, who's God going to call to lead us? To lead you. So not so that we can just be a great church and have a great leadership, so that we can go make disciples, y'all. That's the key. That we can get in this community. I mean, we're, we're, I mean we are totally immersed by the mission field right now. And we got, we got to do everything we can do to seek the Lord and make every effort to be faithful. You know, God wouldn't lead us on this journey as Oak Grove Christian Church. He would not lead us down this road and do all these amazing things over those hundred plus years just to just say, okay, you're on your own now. He wouldn't do that. He's not just going to quit the church. He's not going to stop being faithful. He's not going to stop providing the needs that we have. He knows that we need stuff before we ever know it. We need stuff now that we don't even know we need right now. He knows all about the change that's going on here. And he's, preparing, he's been preparing us for this time, y'all. He's been preparing us for this transition. Next week, we're going to talk about what the Bible talk, teaches about these men, these godly men who are to be leaders. What does it look like? What does it require? How does God, how has God laid it out so that we can know? Because the church needs leadership. That's the way God set it up. God set it up that way. And if God set it up that way, how on earth can we, how would we ever sit back and say, eh, we, we wouldn't, I've, I've seen churches that don't have leadership for long periods of time. Because no one is willing to step up or the, the, the church as a whole is not willing to go and seek those leaders or they don't want leaders. And you can read in the Old Testament of what happened to the Israelites when everyone did as they saw fit in their own minds. And it always led to being separated from God because they didn't have leadership and they refused the leadership that God provided. I love you and the Lord loves you. We have a great God. And uh, I, just, I, I, I just totally, I just, I cannot accept the fact that God would send anybody on their mission, whatever they're called to do for the kingdom, to set them up and so they'll fail. That's not our God. He wouldn't do it to any church. He wouldn't do it to any family. He wouldn't do it to any person. 
He wouldn't do it to any preacher or any elder. He, will, he does not set us up to fail because his goal is that we would glorify him. And if he would ever to set us up to fail, then the world would be able to look at us and say, see, your God doesn't love you. Your God doesn't care. He must not be real. That's not going to happen, y'all. God has a way, and it's there. Everything we need. I'm going to pray uh, really quickly, and then we're going to sing a song together. If you're not saved and part of the kingdom of God, that's where it all starts. Right? That's where it all starts. You start with saying, I want to be in to this kingdom because it's the best thing going in the universe. <laughs> all you got to do is re- accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you believe that with all your heart, mind, and soul, then say, I repent of being the enemy of God. I'm not going to be a sinner anymore. I'm not going to do things away from God's will. And then I'm going to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins, as the Bible instructs us. Uh, we'll help you with that. We'll lead you in that. And then you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then God will reveal his plan for your life. You're a part in the church. You're a part in the community. You're a part in the kingdom. It's going to be awesome. Let's stand together and we'll sing. If you have a decision to make, uh, come on down here and do it.